This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fourth and four at the Tampa Bay 18. Shotgun snap to Prescott. He has time. Throws left side. Wide open is CeeDee Lamb. He'll walk into the end zone for a Dallas touchdown. Nary a Buccaneer within 10 yards. And it's 30-6 Cowboys. And Maher on for the extra point. And it is good. Brett Maher gets a standing over. After four misses tonight. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. I'm Connor Rogers alongside Matthew Berry, Jay Croucher. Who did it better? Matthew Berry with the chains on set in the bucket hat or Mike McCarthy, who did a little wa- some kind of waddle there, it looked like. <laughs> a little Jalen waddle. You, you, guys yes. are, you guys are too young for this, but when I was a kid, there was a, there was a toy called uh, Weebles. And the and it was they yeah, were it was called Weebles wobble but they don't fall down and they were like little they were like these little round things I, if somebody could ever find a, a Weeble on the internet but like you would just roll them over they were like these toys and that's what he looked like he looked like a Weeble like just I, you know I don't know like big sexy going on over there Mike McCarthy um, <laughs> doing his best Kirk Cousins that, and by the way what's great about that video of him with the gold chains running around. Um, that definitely won't come back to haunt him when they get their asses kicked <laughs> by San Francisco next week. That absolutely will not. No, nobody would play it ever. No, again. no, no, play that again. There won't 100%. be new music over it. No, that'll no. never come back. He's, no it's good. He's he's safe. Look, oh, what do you guys have? What? Somebody's in my ear saying something. What? <laughs> well, there's okay. Um, anyway, I, Pete just. Pete, our producer, Pete, our producer, Pete, just... Yeah, he's sad about stuff. Um, enthusiasm music. A lot of show left. A lot of show left. You know... Yeah. Thank God. Matthew, um, last night... Yes, with sir. Mike McCarthy. Uh, and we all liked the Bucks last night. We uh, did. Yes, we absolutely. Confess, Bucks plus two and a half. Uh, that didn't go great. At some point, I realized that we had the disadvantage in the coaching matchup. And uh, Mike McCarthy was the better coach <laughs> on the sidelines. And at That's, that point, I knew that we were in big, we were big trouble. When McCarthy, top- when they went for it on fourth and goal from the yeah. one, I knew we were done. No. Right, it, it, but it, it's noon on Tuesday uh, on Peacock, of course, but it is 5 o'clock somewhere, and I'll tell you one of the places where I hope it's 5 o'clock <laughs> is Tampa Bay, because they should be drinking heavily, um, <laughs> because that's right, like I've said this and I've said this clearly many times, I, I believe Mike McCarthy is one of the most overrated coaches in the NFL, um, 
and yet he put on a master class compared to what Todd Bowles put out there last night. Like that, like Todd Bowles is on a list, and I've said this before. Todd Bowles is on a list of really, really good coordinators. He's a very good defensive coordinator. I want to give the man his props. He's a really good defensive coordinator who should not be a head coach. I, they looked completely unprepared, uninspired, yeah. unfired up. You're at home in a playoff game, and they're just sort of like it felt like a it felt like a Thursday against the Jags. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it, it really right. just a really brutal. I mean, when you get out coached by Mike McCarthy, it's and look. I mean, I think there's some you know. Let's. I think Nathaniel Hackett is one of those guys, right? I mean, like jury's still out on if he's a good off- offense coordinator, <laughs> but he, he's definitely not a head coach, right? I mean, like. How much of Rodgers' success was him versus just, hey, he's Aaron Rodgers? Um, I think jury's still out on Josh McDaniels as a head coach. Like, no question yeah, about him. Jury's as a, in. <laughs> I'm trying to be kind. Guilty. I'm trying to, I'm Life trying, in prison. I'm trying, to be, I'm trying to be. No hope. I'm trying to be kind to Josh McDaniels. Listen, yeah. he's probably going to get Brady next year. So, anyway. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's just guys, you know, the poster child there is Norv Turner, who yes. was a was one of the greatest offensive coordinators in NFL history and just should not have been a head coach. Todd Bowles in over his head, and there's reports out this morning that Byron Leftwich is likely to be fired as offense coordinator. Again, all these coordinators getting thrown under the bus for poor head coaching jobs. Joe Lombardi fired on the way in this morning. You know, Brandon Staley throwing him under the bus apparently to try to save his job. Michael Fleur things gone. Are, what? Yeah, I, Michael Fleur gone yeah, as well. Yeah, in New yeah, York. yeah. I think that everyone's focusing on how bad Brady and the offense looked. My bigger problem was that the defense was atrocious yeah. as well. And they kept on just sending four. They couldn't get any pass rush at all. Dak Prescott did whatever he wanted. And it was this combination of sending four, getting no pressure, and then comical miscommunications in the secondary. So C.D. Lamb of all people, wide just open. wide open for yeah. a touchdown. It was an absolute catastrophe on every level. I just couldn't believe it. And, and again, Todd Bowles is a defensive coach. That's yes. why I'm saying like That's he just him. got he, like a, a master class in getting out-coached. Yeah. Can you send Todd a blitz, Bowles. Todd? Can we get a blitz? One blitz? Come on. And, 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 and in fairness, like when, when C.D. Lamb went for that touchdown and like there was no one around him within like 40 yards, like, yeah, the, clo- like the, closest, the closest guy to him was like, like the photographer, right, on the sideline. <laughs> literally, right? Yes. Literally, literally. Um, you know, and, and I don't know if you saw this, but they, if you, camera one, if you can just get a shot of me, they cut to Todd Bowles. <laughs> I love they, they, yeah. they cut to Todd Bowles on the sidelines and Todd Bowles just absolutely lost it. And I'm going to do a quick impression here. Todd Bowles just absolutely loses it at his defense and does this. <laughs> Cameron once had a heavy workload this he season. Blink. Cameron one needs the offset. He, he did blink at one point. He did. <laughs> I'm, it's just like it's. I mean, it's. Cameron one needs the cold tub. Yeah, yeah. right now. Not great. Uh, Can you take some solace that now Mike McCarthy is locked as a Commanders fan? That Mike McCarthy is locked in as the head coach of the Commanders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next no, year. That's good. That's little good. victories here. Little I'm looking victories. out for you. Like, I appreciate. Yes. I, we're still. We still have Ron Rivera. So you know, it's like you know. It's, it's a little, it's a little There's bit a of... a huge imbalance, because Sirianni and Dable are two of the six best coaches in the league, and then Carthy right. and Ron Rivera's up and down. So th- this is, this is, uh, this is the tweet I sent out after the game, guys. Uh, this is the current state of One the, of the NFC. Ones. current state of the <laughs> NFC. For those listening at home, I sent out a tweet that basically resets the current state of the NFC East. Philadelphia, of course, is in the divisional round. The New York Giants in the divisional round. The Dallas Cowboys in the divisional round. And the Washington Commanders have eight active <laughs> investigations and lawsuits. 
Shout out to my guy JP Finley of uh, NBC Sports Washington, who I texted to make sure I wasn't missing any. To confirm the amount uh, to of confirm the amount of lawsuits and like oh, we were going back and I, forth. I say it took a little discussion. Well, right? yeah, I mean we went back and forth in terms of like all right, well, so there's Virginia and then there's Maryland and then there's Washington D.C. Oh, and the District Attorney of Washington D.C. has the two investigations <laughs> and then there's a congressional investigation. There's two lawsuits from the District Attorney of D.C. Like so, we went back and forth, and I believe the number is eight. But you know, the day is young. <laughs> The day is young. We're all off the rails here, Connor. I completely yeah, well, blame you. I'll steer us right back on. It usually is my fault. Dak has a massive game. It didn't look like he had to do a whole lot, like you said, Jay, with how bad you, the secondary you, you, looked. Hey, Jay. Yes, when you, um, you, you ski, I assume, right, growing up in Australia, right? Not, not really. It's yeah, quite well, a warm besides, climate. It's you, a very warm climate. How do you – I mean, I'm just looking – I'm looking at Sean White over here. I'm just, like, <laughs> curious. Like, when you when you ski, how do you, like, turn – do you slalom? That is, what is what, so what do you, what, it's a good word. It's underused, slalom. I don't ski. You, you don't ski? No, I just have what a jacket you, on. You just have a hockey jacket. jacket. So, so a hockey jacket, yeah. They <laughs> skate. In yeah, hockey. anyway, yeah. All right, fine. Skate us back, you know. <laughs> slalom. Yeah. yeah. And it, but and that, that's what, isn't that what you do in, in skiing? You slalom? Slalom, yeah. Am I, I wrong, guys? I Someone get in my ear and tell me I'm wrong. Let's nobody uh, knows. Uh, nobody knows. No one in the control room knows. For the love of God, yeah. let's talk about Dak Prescott. Uh, the <laughs> no- notorious nation Fine, of Australia, known for skiing. Yeah. yeah. Known for skiing. <laughs> Back to Dak Prescott that was somehow. That too. Like, <laughs> everyone. <laughs> I, that Surfing was, we have I just, yeah, yeah, we have mountains. This is what I'm stuck with. And sharks. This is what I'm stuck yeah, with, people. we're not selling it. Um, Dak Prescott. Yeah, I thought he played well. Um, <laughs> I think it's <laughs> Well, it's when rich. you don't have any pressure, when you have eight billion years to, like, yeah. I don't know what happened uh, in the Washington game at all. I don't know how he went 14 for 37, but he looked like the guy, he looked like the same guy that completely lit up the Eagles a month ago, where he just looked like Superman. Uh, And he did whatever he wanted with his legs as well, which I think he's getting back post the injury. Uh, The way that he looked off the safety for the Dalton Schultz touchdown, that's just prime Dak. He was magnificent last night. And I backed the Bucs because I thought that the Bucs had the better quarterback in the matchup, and uh, it wasn't even close. I thought the Bucs would have the better defense. I did think the the Cowboys' defense uh, was a little bit overrated. And look, I mean, there's the CeeDee Lamb touchdown. (laughs) We're literally like, there's just, there's, if you're watching it on TV, you're seeing this, but if you're listening to it, I mean, like, just literally, they showed the play. And the entire highlight, there's not a Buccaneer in. You know, a lot of times you see a touchdown and you see a, you know, the, the opposing defense, like, either miss a tackle or that out of position. There's literally not a Buccaneer on the screen. Like, is ha- but in fairness, like, why would you want to guard CeeDee Lamb? <laughs> uh, you know, eight, my guy eight, friend of the podcast, friend of the show, eight, CeeDee Lamb there. Um, you know what I liked is that the one of the plays that we showed was the Dak Prescott uh, on fourth and one, the, the touchdown run, where they, they fake the run to Zeke and then he, he, uh, he does the back bootleg and runs untouched into the end zone. My, the best part of that was, if you're watching the broadcast, Troy Aikman says, I'd go for three here, <laughs> as literally as Dak He's Prescott walking is walking in also, with no one close to right him. Also, right after Maher missed the extra point, like from a similar range or even uh, – so, yeah. I mean, that was the, the most exciting thing about last night's game, really, was the, the, the Brett Maher the Brett experience. Maher exp- exactly. It was actually unparalleled, and I tried to work yeah. out because – Extra points now, with it being moved back, about a 92% chance of making it. Yeah, sure. So, like, 8% to the power of 5. Because here's the thing. He missed the one against Washington last week as well. Yeah. It was five in a row. And I couldn't even I can't even say the percentage um, chance of this. And he's missing them in all different directions. And it was kind of... It was sad, but also very funny at the same right. time. Right. He's clearly got the yips. I, 
And every, I mean, <laughs> and here's what's weird. Listen, I'm a Commanders fan, obviously, right? I'm a Washington fan, and so I hate the Cowboys. That's my biggest rival. And maybe I'm getting old and soft. <laughs> you know, I just, I'm getting soft in my old age. I, I saw everyone on Twitter, right? Everyone online is just dunking on this kid, right? You know, just making fun and all the memes about, and I feel bad. I just feel bad for the guy. I mean, yeah. like, I, I don't know. And listen, he's a professional athlete, and that's part of the gig, right? And you put yourself out there, like, whatever. We put ourselves out there every single day. We took the Bucks plus two and a half yesterday. Yeah. Looked awful, right? That's a bad call. People give me crap online. <laughs> I deserve it. Horrible call. I took the over on .5 rushing yards for Tom Brady. That didn't hit. You know, look, I didn't hit uh, Dalton Schultz and CeeDee Lamb. I took the overs on both those so I went two for two. Um, you hit the over on the Tom Brady passing yards. Pollard we, went over. Yeah, Pollard Zeke went over. Went, yeah, didn't, didn't hit. But Zeke yeah. didn't hit. But whatever. We 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 had a five hundred day. It's fine. Um, but whatever. Like you put yourself out there. That's part of the gig, right? Is that you you get the praise and you also get the criticism. So he's a professional athlete, and that comes with the territory. But I just it just it became sad after a while. I it was a little bad. uncomfortable. Absolutely. And look, the total was 45 and a half. So any underbetters uh, should be buying Brett Maher jerseys today because he absolutely saved them. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Watching that game and being on Bucks plus two and a half when it was 24 nothing, I just started cheering for the Cowboys. I'm like, all right, this game's done. Give me 50. Give me yeah. a 50 point loss. You're going to lose. At least go out in the blaze of glory. Well, I think I think what what they've done though is by the, this performance by the Cowboys, they've made the game against San Francisco next week. Oh, it's a blockbuster. Now it's interesting. It's fantastic. Now it's really interesting here. Let's talk just quickly about some of these guys. Like. All the guys that were supposed to do stuff did stuff, right? So Dak Prescott had a big game, right? Four touchdown passes his first since week 18 of last year, okay? I mean, um, he had the rushing touchdown as well. The third most fantasy points in any game of his career, 25 of 33. Again, just wasn't touched at all. Um, I think the most impressive thing in this game, you know, CeeDee Lamb was CeeDee Lamb, four for 68 to catch the, catch the wide open touchdown. Nice game here for Dalton Schultz. We talked about him uh, in the pregame as well, of, of, you know, yesterday's show, right? It's his third straight game with eight or more targets. He's had multiple touchdowns in two of those three. There have been 30 games over the last two years that Dak Prescott has started, including the playoffs, and Dalton Schultz has touchdowns in 15 of them. There is the, the connection between, and this is one of the reasons why, I talked up the over on Dalton Schultz receiving yards on yesterday's show is because of the connection between Dak Prescott and Dalton Schultz. I mean, again, Gallup catches a touchdown, which is nice, but after CeeDee Lamb, like, I mean, T.Y. Hilton, the ghost of T.Y. Hilton is he's playing a real significant, thing. Yeah, yeah, he's playing significant snaps yeah. for this team. I don't know that there's a pass catcher they try after CeeDee Lamb. It feels like Schultz is the most viable pass catcher on this Cowboys offense. Yep. Gallup is looking better. He made some good catches last night. He's getting healthier, but it's probably more of a next year thing before he gets back to being Michael Gallup. But look, they don't have San Francisco's weapons, but that team is loaded. Especially when Dak is playing at that level. And with all the storylines around the offense, somehow the biggest story still goes back to Brett Maher, who right now we saw Dak's frustration on the sidelines. I think he wanted to go for two at that point. We did hear from both McCarthy and Dak after the game on the Cowboys kicking situation and going into next week. Was McCarthy wearing the gold chains? Let's no, take was, a look. That was, a, let's take that a, was a short-lived uh, mm-hmm. McCarthy experience. Okay. We need Brett. He, he understands that. So, uh, you know, we need to get back on it this week and, you know, get him ready to go. Obviously, we're kicking out, you know, an outdoor stadium out there in, in Santa Clara. So, uh, but, you know, we, you know, um, yeah, he's disappointed, but, uh, you know, we need him. We need him to focus in. And, you know, he's, he's been super clutch for us all year. So, um, but that's the plan. 
I'm, I'm Money Mars' biggest fan. Uh, obviously, I've been shown the video of me, uh, and that's just emotion. That's just, that's part of it. Um, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, I talked to him individually, told him, just told him after the game, hey, let that go. We're going to need it. Um, I, I just played like a week ago, so, I mean, that, that, that happens. Uh, but when you believe in each other and you believe in uh, what we're capable of doing and knowing what that guy's done, uh, what resiliency he's shown throughout his career personally, um, no doubt that he'll come back next week and be, be perfect and uh, help us win. So now the question, guys, after this performance by the Cowboys just completely throttling the Bucks, is can this team legitimately make a run? And we laughed at the beginning of this and said they'll get you know, maybe crushed by the Niners in a couple of days at this point on short rest. But you know, if we take a look at the updated NFL playoff bracket, the Cowboys right now to win the NFC are plus 450, so Vegas is telling you they don't have a chance. What you saw from the offense last night, do you think they can get hot and make a run when Dak is playing like that? Top to bottom, that, that roster is as talented as any team in the NFL. I, I mean, they have a franchise quarterback. They have legit weapons in, on the offense. They obviously have an amazing defense yep. led by the – I mean, Michael Parsons is the best player on defense in the NFL. Yeah, you know, but not him the and NFC. Like, yeah. Him and – you know, um, uh, I, I think if I'm starting a team and I, I think I'd take Parsons oh, over for, Bosa. For sure. just for sure. Bosa might have had the better season, but right, Parsons but is the better player. He's a better player and the more versatile. And anyway, whatever. The, the – Whatever. The fact of the matter is, they're they're, 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 (laughs) retired for a minute. Um, They were they're loaded on both sides of the ball. But where I keep going back to, honestly, is that if you think about the four coaches that are left in the NFC, Kyle Shanahan, Nick Sirianni, Brian Dable, Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy is fourth and it's not a particularly close. It takes you a while to get to third would be my argument. Again, they just dominated the, the Buccaneers, but. Whatever, the Buccaneers could barely win the South, right? I mean, we took the Buccaneers plus two and a half just because the Cowboys looked so bad in week 18. We thought at home and we thought Tom Brady and they're going to get up, but they just, they couldn't do it. Like, you know, there's only so much Tom. Tom can't coach the team and, you know, uh, and play football. I um, I, I think the so one thing. Is there a chance? Of course there's a chance. It's sure. football. There's always a chance. But no, I I would not be taking the plus 450 bet on bet MGM. Yep. I think the thing with McCarthy is at least, like, Dan Quinn is an excellent defensive coordinator. He won that assistant coach of the year last year. So the defense yeah. is fine in terms of a coaching standpoint. And then there's just so much talent on offense that McCarthy can only do so much to screw it up, I think, with yeah. decision making. And he went for and, it on and, fourth and one. No, it's fair. I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt you. No, you, I mean, the thing with McCarthy is the conservatism on fourth down, the decision making that. But he got it right last night. And I just think that, look, I think that they have, they're going to have the better quarterback. Uh, against San Francisco. We love Brock Purdy. Dak Prescott is better than Brock Purdy, non-controversial. And so I just think with the amount of talent, and also I think it's a weird thing, but I think the Niners' run defense being so good is actually going to help Dallas because they're going to run Zeke into the line twice for one yard, and then they're just going to have to throw the ball. You can't... Their problem on offense is Zeke and Zeke and Zeke, and they're just going to have to throw the ball, which I think is the way to beat the Niners. Well, yeah, I mean, there's no question that, that you can attack that secondary, certainly more than you can attack the, the run defense there. Kellen Moore has done a nice job with the Cowboys uh, for a couple of years now, and you mentioned Tony Pollard, and like this has been the, the Tony Pollard year, the year of Tony Pollard breaking out. Big game last night with 18 touches, right? Um, and and uh, uh, almost 90 total yards. He played almost 60% of the snaps yesterday. 15 touches and 80 total yards in three of the past four games. He's going to be a key for them beating the Niners, having him involved not just in the run game but 
and getting those explosive plays, but having him involved in the passing game as well. We took the under on uh, – oh, you, you did. I, I mean, I've taken my own losses here. Got, you, <laughs> we, we, we took the under on Zeke, you know, receiving yards uh, at seven and a half. He nine. catches one for nine, and you're less like, you know. He hadn't caught a ball in, like, whatever, a month and a half. So what are you going to do? But, right, Pollard in the, in the receiving game is uh, going to be a key, especially against that – uh, that that rush of the Niners. Yep. One bet I do like in this game, uh, Dallas San Francisco. The line is three and a half, which I think is right. I think that's the right line. But the total is forty six. To me, that's too low. I think both of these teams are going to score. Dallas still banged up in the secondary. Curse gets hurt with his knee last night. That's going to be a problem. San Francisco pass defense has been a lot more mortal than expected yeah. the past month. So I think Dallas will be able to score as well. I think that's going to be a high scoring game in perfect weather in Santa Clara. Guys, there's no way to talk about this game without bringing up the question of Tom Brady's future. Obviously, we saw after the game, um, he's not going to give anything on that, but he is—he will be an unrestricted free agent. He has a no-tag clause in his contract, so they can't franchise tag a 45-year-old quarterback. <laughs> it just feels like the Brady era in Tampa is over, and that he I, personally, I think he'll still play. Nobody knows, but it just feels like this specific Tom Brady era has come to an end. It's going to be on your table. I wouldn't bet on that one either. <laughs> <No>? <laughs> it feels like a Josh McDaniels reunion could be on the way. I mean, certainly that's that's where all the signs are pointing is it just feels like because reunion with Josh McDaniels, they have Devontae Adams, they have Darren Waller. Omnia. They, they, uh, huh? they have Omnia. They have Vegas. Omnia <laughs> yeah. in Vegas, Hakkasan. <laughs> um, uh, but they, no, I mean, like, in all seriousness, like, if you just want to, like, you know, if you think about just the Tom Brady glory years, right? I mean, they, they have an Edelman and Hunter Renfro, right? I mean, they, they have a Gronk in Darren Waller, even though those guys are obviously very different type players. But they have a, they have a tight end that can, you know, they can get open um, and, uh, and, and create mismatches, right? They have an elite wide receiver in Devontae Adams. They have a good run game. You know, we'll see if they bring Josh Jacobs back. But at the moment, they have a good run game. Could they improve the defense in the offseason? Sure. And it's a tough division you're going to. You're going to the AFC West. But I just, they just don't have a defense. Like, that team's not Tom Brady away from winning the Super Bowl, I, I don't think. If right. I was Tom Brady, I'd go to Miami. And uh, I, I don't think those, about the, that was like necessarily the, no, the those, the, the Miami, my, those, those are the rumors there. You could see on the, you could see on the Jets. Like again, they're like you just. This is they talked about this. Uh, Van Pelt talked about this last night on Sports Center. It's just like how many teams are there that are have a good defense receiver that are literally just a Tom Brady away from the That's Super Bowl. He can't question. go to the and and by the way, the Jets are one of those teams, Jets, right? Dolphins. The, the, yeah, the, I mean uh, the Jets, the Dolphins, the Commanders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Played for no, Belichick like, twice a year. Like, Love that. The, the, Commanders jokes aside, but if the J.P. Finley report is true that the team will be sold in March, you know, suddenly that be, you know if there's a new owner in there, you know, the well, let's spend some money. Look, they have. Just with, feels like he's not going to go to the Commanders for some reason. Just feels that way, doesn't it? It does feel weird, but I just, but in all seriousness, like you guys going to call me a homer, and that's fair, and it's fair to call me a homer because I am. But Travis Homer tell, Right, but yeah, I'm like Travis Homer. But tell me that, look, commanders have a good defense. You'll grant me that, right? Right? And, you know, in Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson and, like, Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas, there's some weapons on offense, backs. 100%. They have a couple of good running backs here. They, surely, they need surely a quarterback get to break or something. What? <laughs> surely we're due to get to break. The command, it just feels like he's just not going to go to that franchise with the state that it's in. 
right now. Yeah. But tell me, tell me if all of a sudden Jeff Bezos pays seven billion dollars <laughs> for it in March. True. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I mean, uh, talent-wise, sure, they are Tom Brady away from competing for the NFC. I yeah. Think so. I, I mean, that's what I'm. That's my only argument there. In the current leadership there, there's absolutely no chance he goes yeah. there. I, I think. But if it's if it's if it's sold to a if it's sold to a Bezos, if it's sold to a Josh Harris who owns the Sixers and the Flyers sure. and is like a a well-known professional sports owner, like. I, I wouldn't put a lot of money on it, but I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. I think there's a non-zero chance if the team is sold. All I'd put money on is that I, I would need 30 to 1 that he goes back to Tampa Bay. That just felt like it was done last night. It seemed well, like that has run its to course. Me the only, to, to me, the only way he comes back, because again, he's still got, he's still got Evans and Godwin, and, you know, and uh, in theory, a, a good defense. To me, um, to me, the way it comes back is they get rid of Bowles, they get rid of everyone. Sure. And they bring in they bring in Brian Flores. You know, do they hire yeah. do they hire Brian Flores? Do they bring back Bruce Arians? You know, that's like, what I think it would right? take. Right? Yeah. That's I mean something like that. It would take it would take um, it would take something like that, I think. Well Brady did speak after the game and you know the body language I think gave it away, but we did hear from Brady after the game he, on what's next. Watch, before we get to this clip real quickly, watch this, because I watched this a couple of times, yeah. and what's interesting is, is he's sitting there and he's wanting to say nice things about Tampa Bay and what a great home it's been, and you can see he sort of catches himself, because he, he's about to say, like, you know, this is my home and I love it here, but he realizes, like, ah, there's a chance <laughs> I'm leaving. Yeah. Like, just oh, yeah. watch, you'll watch. You, he catches himself. Just watch this clip. This is Tom Brady after the game. I'm going to go home and get a good night's sleep as good as I can tonight, and and uh, no, I'm not. You know, I, this has been a lot of focus on you know this game. So, yeah, it's just be one day at a time. Truly, uh, I just want to say thank you guys for everything this year. I really appreciate all your effort, and I know it's hard for you guys too. It's hard for us players to make it through, and you guys got a tough job. And I appreciate all that you guys do to cover us and everyone who watches and is a big fan of the sport. We're very grateful for. Everyone's support, and um, you know, hopefully, um, you know, I love this organization. It's a great place to be, and thank you, everybody, for welcoming me, all you regulars, and um, just very grateful for the respect. And and I hope I gave the same thing back to you guys. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. You hear those ums? <laughs> and there was a. He said, "Hopefully," and then like got off the exit and yeah. went to something different. So we don't know where that hopefully was going, but. We'll see. And you can't talk about what the Buccaneers' future looks like until we know who their quarterback is. Honestly, until like we already know the uh, we don't already know, but rumors are strong that Byron Leftwich will be relieved of his duties as offensive coordinator. There's chances that there's going to be other coaching changes. And again, if Brady leaves, like we don't, we can't talk about the value of Godwin or Evans or Rashad White or Uncle Lenny or any of these guys until we know Kate Otten until we know. What's yeah. going on? This isn't close to the team that won the Super Bowl with Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, those guys, Shaquille Barrett with the injury. <coughs> like, I think Ooh. he's going to choose a better destination. By the way, speaking of who's available, Antonio Brown. Oh, Antonio Brown's yeah, out there. They so. package deal again? Package deal again. I don't again. think so. I think exactly. that ship sailed. Do you All think right. so? Yeah, that'd be a gut feeling <laughs> on this one. If, yeah. it just, if, if, is that your advice, Connor, to the people out there? Any NFL teams watching? If you'd like Tom Brady to be on your team, maybe not post about his ex-wife. Yeah, is that, is that is that a helpful hint? It's a little PR advice from me. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Don't have my PhD in that one, but just a gut feeling. There you go. A lot of people say Connor is just good looks, but you know what? There's a brain in there somewhere. There's a noggin up there. I didn't say how big it is. There's a a noggin up there, Sean White. I like it. (laughs) All right. We are going to our first break, but when we are back. Has anyone looked up slalom yet? (laughs) When we are back, it's the Peacockies, our awards, the Fantasy Awards, the first annual Fantasy Football Happy Hour award show coming your way. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley. For the love of home. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Burrow takes the snap, gives to Mixon, bouncing it wide to the left. Penalty flag down, he's at the 10, 5, into the end zone. His fifth touchdown. How about that? That was the Bengals radio network call on Joe Mixon's fifth touchdown from his week nine performance. And welcome to the Peacockies. The first annual Peacockies. It is our award show, the most prestigious award. I feel underdressed. It's the most <laughs> prestigious award show ever um, hosted in a fake bar. We were trying to come up with a clever name, right? So, you know, obviously we're on Peacock, so we're thinking about the Peacockies. We thought about, is there a, is there a shorthand for it? Like, you know, because Peacockies, or, or, you know, Peacock is two words. It's P and cock, right? You know, when you put them together, Peacock. Like, can we call them the P's? You know that didn't feel right, and then no. and then and then like all right, well we get rid of the P, and I just and then and then and then my producer Pete said I I have a wife, I have a family. Yes, could you not get me he fired? Has some good food on the table. Yeah, could yeah. you not yeah. go there? So anyway, we're sticking with the peacockies. That's what I did there. Connor in the uh, the Chris Rock presenter role. Just I, hoping I wanted that, like a little uh, envelope when Blake I read doesn't them. come up and, and punch him in the face. And the peacocky right. goes to, yeah. yeah. Keep, keep, keep Will Smith's uh, wife's name yeah, out no, of your damn No mouth. wife jokes on this desk. That's um, not for me. For the record, before we get into the peacockies, I think very important pressing thing. It took me literally two clicks on, um, on Google in terms of slalom. And this is from the, uh, this is from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. One of my favorite What does slalom mean in skiing? Skiing in a zigzag or wavy course between upright obstacles. It's an event. Skiing in a zigzag or wavy course. That's, so when I say slalom, like, whoosh, 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 I was right. I think it's more hips and legs. <laughs> Whatever, I'm not a skier. 
But my point is, is is less about my form and more point. The point is, I was right. Damn it! <laughs> now let's get to the peacockies, <laughs> All right. not the peas. Yes, the the uh, the, the peacockies. Peacockies. The, peacockies. Peacockies. the first category is fantasy game of the year, and here yes. are your fantasy game of the year nominees. We have the infamous Stephon Diggs, Week Two versus the Titans. 12 catches, 148 yards, three touchdowns. Joe Mixon, week nine. That's what we opened this segment with against the Panthers. He's still running somewhere. 153 rushing yards, 58 receiving yards, five. That's right, five touchdowns in week nine for Joe Mixon. Justin Fields against the Dolphins in the same week. 123 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, 178 yards on the ground, and a rushing touchdown. Josh Jacobs, week 12 at the Seahawks. 229 rushing yards, 74 receiving yards, and two touchdowns. And our final nominee, Mike Evans in Week 17 in a must-win game against the Panthers. Ten catches, 207 yards, and three touchdowns. Fellas, this there's a this is a pretty even field. Yeah, unbelievable field. A lot of great uh, uh, potential winners here. Honestly, you could have picked any one of these guys and uh, and gone with gone with that and have been an absolutely completely legitimate. Just so you know, we probably should have set this up before I, I derailed us with the slalom <laughs> stuff. And so what we did is so Jay and I each picked our winners, but we also then went out to the fans and we had thousands of people vote on this online. And so that'll be the actual winner is, is the fans vote um, because everyone knows the peacockies are about the people, <laughs> right? You know, everyone knows that. Everyone knows that about the peacockies. And so for me, like I went back and forth on this one, and and for me, I felt like fantasy game of the year had to be something that not only obviously won you your week, you know, a huge thing, but like when did it come in the season, and more importantly, were you able to take advantage of it? So for me, like just and one of the concerns with Josh Jacobs and Mike Evans was that Josh Jacobs, that particular game, he'd been listed as questionable all week long, and he'd actually showed up on the injury report on Friday as questionable. It was also a late game. Um, and so the concern was, and I know a number of people that missed out on that game because they're like, he, he just, he, he, he re-injured himself on Friday, playing Seattle, it's a late game. I just, I don't want to be stuck with, you know, trying to decide between Zamir White and Amir Abdullah. And so they benched, unfortunately, Josh Jacobs. Mike Evans had that monster game. You could say, like, hey, he did it during the fantasy playoffs. You know, amazing. But he was so brutal yeah. for the, you know, <laughs> like the six way, right? Yeah. You probably weren't there to enjoy it, um, or you may not even yeah. start it. So for me, it was Joe Mixon, who you are normally starting. It's week nine. It's the middle of the year. You know, that's, that's really kind of the crunch time for me. Again, you could have gone with anyone, but it's, it's a top ten running back game in the last 20 years, right? It's the ninth best game by a running back since the year 2000. 153, four touchdowns. He also four for 58 and a touchdown. 55.1 fantasy points. It's also the most fantasy points of anyone in any one particular game. So, because I think the most people enjoyed this game, meaning, you know, in week nine, everyone's still alive in their playoffs. Everyone that had Joe Mixon started Joe Mixon in this game. They got 55 points from him for me. Joe Mixon is your fantasy game of the year. Yeah, I think, look, objectively, Joe Mixon is the right call because he literally scored more points than anyone else, so that is the fantasy game of the year. I still went with Josh Jacobs, though, because I thought that, one, that Carolina-Cincinnati game was terrible, and no one was watching it unless you had Joe Mixon on your fantasy team, basically. Whereas the Seattle-Vegas game, that was there were playoff repercussions. It was just such an absurd game, and to end it as well with an 86-yard walk-off touchdown, Jacobs won that game 
by himself. I was on the Seahawks in this game, and it was just absolute pain the entire time because he was so dominant. And the thing is, is yeah, 229 yards on the ground and uh, two touchdowns. He also had six catches for 74 yards. Like, he just did everything. And for a guy to have over 300 yards and two touchdowns in a game where he's an underdog on the road, I thought that was the performance of the season and uh, racked up his fantasy points. It, it, well, was un- it was an amazing performance by Josh Jacobs. Kept their playoff hopes alive, the, the, the Raiders. And right, again... Less than 100%. Kind of a a Jordan flu game, if you will, by Josh Jacobs. And I will say that there there are other categories that Josh Jacobs is nominated for, so we'll see how that all plays out. But who who won the Peacocky? Who takes home the Peacocky? Let's take a look at the fans' vote. And our first Peacocky Fantasy Game of the Year goes to, from the fans, Joe Mixon at a whopping 57% of the vote. The next closest as the field kind of evened out, was Justin Fields at 15%. So Joe Mixon's five-touchdown performance is your, the people, fantasy game of the year. There you go. I'm a man of the people. It makes sense that I would be the one that would <laughs> – the, the, the people and I would be simpatico and that they would be, you know, think – think we don't really talk about Justin Fields there. That was the one thing that the other – one of the other reasons that I voted for Mixon is he that, lost. like – Well, what? He lost the game. He lost well. – he, not only did he lose the game, but more importantly, like – Joe Mixon allowed you to overcome Justin Fields, right? I mean, if you face Justin Fields, you're like, ah, I lost. Oh, whoa, Joe Mixon. No, I did not. So there was a lot of uh, – so that was it. But, I mean, Fields had just a monster year as well. Our next award, best value pick of the year. The best value pick nominees are, speaking of Josh Jacobs, he's at this list. His ADP was RB23. He finished as RB3 in points per game. Chris Godwin's ADP was wide receiver 34. He finished as a top 15 wide receiver. Tyler Lockett, outside the top 40 in terms of draft position, finished as a top 20 wide receiver. Tua Tungabailoa drafted outside the top 20 quarterbacks. He finished as QB 10. And Miles Sanders, the man who said, do not draft me right. in fantasy, drafted as RB 33 by ADP. He finished as RB 15 in total points. Yeah, look, again, a lot of great nominees here. With Godwin, I always felt like Godwin, honestly, was just a mistake by, candidly, the people that put together the Yahoo rankings. Because it was just like, we're like, guys, he's not starting the I mean, we talked about him in the preseason, all, this, the, that the ADP on Godwin was crazy. He played week one. Right. Yeah. We're like, he's not going to start the season on the physically unable to perform list, even if he misses a couple of weeks. Like, the idea that he's going as wide receiver 34 is insane. He's Chris Godwin with Tom Brady as his quarterback here. You know, Lockett, Lockett is interesting just because, again, we were all of us, I think, collectively, the fantasy community, were down on the Seahawks offense. No one expected Geno to have the kind of year that Geno did. Um, I thought about Miles Sanders and Tua. The concerns there was the inconsistency with both of them. With Sanders, he was a little too touchdown dependent. Now, he finally scored touchdowns this year. You know, the last couple of years he really hasn't. But uh, there was a little bit of inconsistency to Sanders, obviously with Tua with the injuries in and out of the lineup here. So, for me, I went with Josh Jacobs, right? I mean, Josh Jacobs not only went as running back 23, but most people felt like that was too high. And I was one of them. I will. Josh Jacobs was by far my biggest miss of the season and the reason I, I I swung and missed on him is because I was just like, you know why I don't like him? The Raiders don't like him. Yeah. Like, they declined his fifth-year option. This is a guy they used a first-round 
NFL draft pick on, and they declined his fifth-year option, new regime in, in Las Vegas with that organization. Josh McDaniels has always used multiple running backs throughout his career. You saw in the preseason game, the, the Hall of Fame game, where they used him on the first two series. There's Derek Carr and Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro in street clothes. Like, they ain't playing. We ain't risking them in the first preseason. But here's Josh Jacobs getting eight carries in the first ten minutes. And you're like, okay, they just they do not care about this guy. And uh, Josh Jacobs, by, you know, force of nature, just, ha- you know, amazing. And the, the other thing was, so, I mean, right, he finishes – you know, he, he finishes as the third best running back in fantasy, consistent week in, week out. He just produced at a high level, massive volume, 20 touches this year in 12 different games, you know, over 1,600 rushing yards, had, you know, a lot of pass catching involvement too, Jay. To me, he's, he's by clear the best value, value pick. Yep, yeah, has to be. has to be Josh Jacobs. I think that the thing is, is that like, he was drafted after A.J. Dillon and David Montgomery. Uh, and for him to do what he did, won the rushing title. I'm still not sure he's thought of in the same breath as like Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey. He's that good. He might even be better than those guys. The talent that he has is absurd. Nick Bosa called him the best running back he's ever faced. And I still don't think America is perhaps entirely across the Josh Jacobs experience, maybe because no one got to see the 86-yard touchdown against Seattle on television because everyone, everyone never broke away from it on the East Coast. So he is he is amazing, and he is the, the winner here. And, and it is. It's, it's one of those weird things. So he plays on a quote-unquote bad team, you know, the Raiders, um, you know, they were alive in the playoffs for a while, but, you know, they were in the lower part of that division, obviously, and he, there's nothing, like, he doesn't have a fun name like Christian McCaffrey, or, you know what I mean, like, there's no nickname for him, and I know it it sounds dumb, but, like, because Josh Jacobs is sort of, like, just kind of a solid name, like... Two first names, too. Two first names, two, two first names for me is always a crowd pleaser, but the fact is, is, right. But yes, maybe not trustworthy. But Josh Jacobs just feels like, you know, Josh Jacobs feels like a, a middle manager in accounting. You know, like he's just like, you know, he's, he's like whatever, the, the senior assistant director of, of, of HR. You know, I got to go see Mr. Jacobs. I, I don't know. I just, he just doesn't have the, uh, he just doesn't have the national profile. I think that if he, it seems the dumbest thing in the world, but if he had a, a more fun name, Dalvin Cook. Like, you know, that's a good name. Like, I don't know. Well, guys, safe do? to say, I, our, who, 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 but the fans, who do the fans vote I for mean, the Peacocky? a runaway here from the fans. The Peacocky goes to Josh Jacobs, best value pick of the 2022 fantasy season. He takes home 86% of the vote. Miles Sanders, Tyler Lockett, both 4%, two and Godwin at 3%. So this was a runaway uh, for Josh Jacobs. but Much like he did against Seattle. Yes. It's uh, a wild year for Josh Jacobs, who will yeah. do quite well, I think, in free agency if he avoids the franchise tag. Let's get to our next award here. Best waiver wire pickup of the season right here. As you see the nominees, let's start with Justin Fields, who finished as QB5 on the season. Evan Ingram, who finished as tight end 7. Jamal Williams finished as a top 20 running back. Tyler Algier had almost 1,200 scrimmage yards after being a day three pick. Pretty good for the rookie for the Falcons. And Jarek McKinnon, RB2 in points per game over the final pivotal six weeks of the season. Barry, out of this list, is there a runaway like Jacobs was on the last one, or is this field a little tighter? I think the field's a little tighter, but I think there's a, there's a, there's a clear winner here. At least there was for me. I mean, McKinnon was amazing, especially down the stretch. Like, he won a lot of people their fantasy titles. Evan Ingram, in a year in which tight end is just sort of like absolutely a, a wasteland, Ingram had a great year as a top seven guy. I mean, Jamal Williams and Algier, again, 
running back kind of a wasteland uh, as well, and both guys provided uh, lots of value, although with Williams, again, so touchdown dependent and, you know, felt like he was um, better at the beginning of the year than he was towards the end. Algier, better towards the end of the year. You never fully trusted it just because Atlanta's such a low-volume offense. So for me, I, I feel like it's Justin Fields. This was a bad year for quarterbacks in general. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, some of the big-name veteran guys that were drafted inside the top 12 didn't have those kind of years. Kyler Murray gets hurt. Lamar Jackson misses time. It was, it was, um, it was a very inconsistent year for big-name fantasy quarterbacks, and yet, just, and obviously Russell Wilson just completely, the, the bottom fell out on him, and yet Justin Fields just exploded. He, in the last nine games he played, guys, he had over 20 fantasy points in six of them. You think about those weeks nine through ten where he had back-to-back games with over 39 fantasy points. You know, seven different games with 80 or more rushing yards. We always talk about the importance of rushing for a quarterback. So for me, because of, um, because of actually how bad the quarterback position was, I got to go with Justin Fields. Has to be Fields. You, you just, you're not supposed to be able to find top five quarterbacks on the waiver wire. So it has to be Fields. Yeah, he probably bailed a lot of people out that missed early on a quarterback and, and probably saved their season. Let's look at what the fans thought of this one. And no surprise here, Fields takes home the Peacocky for the best waiver wire pickup with 52% of the vote. A bit of a runaway here. McKinnon did get 25% of the votes. I guarantee 22% of those voters, he probably won them their season down the stretch. McKinnon. We- Second half of the year, he had eight receiving touchdowns, the most by any running back. Three more, I mean, like five more um, than uh, Samaj P. Ryan or Tony Pollard, who were second place with three. Eight receiving touchdowns um, from week nine on for Jarek McKinnon. He won a bunch of people their titles, including me. Uh, just want to put that out there um, that I won a bunch of leagues with Jarek McKinnon. Thank you very much. No big deal, NBD. I just want to say that. Um, but yeah, Justin Fields, congratulations. Um, Your first peacocky. Let's see. So, yeah, anyway, congratulations to Justin Fields winning a peacocky. The Bears get the number one pick and have a peacocky winner. (laughs) Things are looking up in Chicago. Our next award is the Fantasy Rookie of the Year, and here are the nominees, starting with Kenneth Walker, who finished his RB16 this year. Chris Alave, wide receiver 26, finished for him. Garrett Wilson not far behind. Wide receiver 30. Shout out to Alave and Garrett Wilson for persevering, considering their quarterback situations. Damian Pierce missed the end of the season, still finishes RB20. And Christian Watson, who got hot in the second half of the year, finishes as wide receiver 32. Jay, you look at this board right here, there's obviously a pretty big disparity in the guy at the top on the rankings. Yeah, I mean, it has to be Ken Walker. Feels like a kind of Shakespeare in love best picture winner. Not, the, not you know, your best ever, not your Casablanca types. But um, I do think that Ken Walker, just with the nine touchdowns to go with the 1K yards. I mean, he didn't have a touchdown in his last five games. He kind of cooled off, but he did enough in that middle stretch of the season. The, the winner should have been Brees Hall, but he gets hurt. So, Ken Walker. Yeah, I was- Nice bone you throw there to uh, our Jets guy here. Um, you know, it's interesting. And that's the cooled off is the key phrase there because as you look through all these, Chris Olave started hot, cooled off. Damien Pierce started hot, cooled off. Christian Watson started cold, yeah. got hot, cooled off. Uh, and Garrett so Wilson was like Garrett Wilson, right? I mean, it was just like, okay, who's who's playing quarterback this week? We're in on Garrett Wilson. Oh, no, it's a Zach Wilson. Uh, no. Yeah, so it just like 
inconsistency with all these rookies, which isn't surprising. That's why they're rookies here. So I think just because, given, the again, the wasteland that is running back and the touchdowns, Ken Walker the third, KW3, is my choice as well. But who got the peacocky? Well, and the fan vote goes to as we see Ken Walker just Ken Walker just, just running over, just rolling side. over that was Raiders. That's run. that's that's the best run. The fan right. vote goes to KW3. Kenneth Walker, seventy-seven percent of the vote. A huge runaway here. The next yeah. closest was Chris Olave at ten percent. Throw you a quick one here, guys. And I will say that I think that had the Saints been better, had Dalton been better, Olave might win this award. But I think just you know. He really sunk that offense. Counting Brees Hall in this group, who gets drafted first in fantasy next year, Barry? Pretty tough, right? It is pretty tough. I'm going to still say Ken Walker for me, get just because you don't have the injury concerns with Brees Hall. Um, uh, you feel better about that offense with Geno, assuming Geno Smith is back with the Seahawks, and we expect that to happen. You feel better about that offense. Rashad Penny was on a one-year deal, so we'll see if they bring him back. But this is clearly Ken Walker's backfield. Brees Hall coming off the ACL. They still have Michael Carter there. They're going to still have Bam Knight. Obviously, it'll be Brees Hall's backfield when he starts, but you're just not going to know. Is he going to be fully healthy and have that explosiveness at least to start the season? So I think Ken Walker gets drafted first. But future is bright, obviously, for Brees Hall. And had he stayed healthy the whole season, he probably wins this award. I agree with you, Jay. Our next award, Breakout Player of the Year. This is a great field here, guys, and I think one of our more even ones. Tony Pollard. Drafted as RB34 by ADP. Finished as RB8 in points per game. A top 10 running back finish for Tony Pollard. Ramondre Stevenson. Barry, you loved him over the summer, and you reaped those rewards here. Drafted as RB32. Finished as RB10. Devontae Smith. ADP of wide receiver 40. Finished as wide receiver 14 in points per game. Christian Kirk. That signing was great for Jacksonville. Drafted as wide receiver 38. Finished as a top 20 wide receiver, as you see on the screen. Daniel Jones. Drafted as QB 29. He has a top 10 QB finish, QB 8. So uh, your ride or die from years ago, Daniel Jones, it finally comes to fruition. <laughs> I, just, listen, the, the, it's, I'm a genius. It's not, it's, it's not my job to tell you when to listen to me. I just have to – I just spew the knowledge, and then you guys – have to figure out when it's – look, I was just early. What, can I help it that I can just see into the future that far ahead? Normally, I, I'm, I'm able to control my powers and, real, you know, oh, Jalen Hurts this year, Austin Echo last year. But I was just too early on Daniel Jones, so screw all you naysayers. He had an awesome year, Q, finishes his QB8 in points per game, has his Giants heading to the divisional round. Right here are the only guys that had 20 or more fantasy points in five games this season. Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and Daniel freaking Dimes. How about them apples? Look, I think, you know, Christian Kirk got the big contract, had a chance to be, you know, number one in Jacksonville, finished as a top 20 uh, wide receiver in points per game despite an ADP of wide receiver 38. Wide receiver 38 finishes wide receiver 18. Devontae Smith, everyone's like, oh, this is going to be a, a run heavy and A.J. Brown show. ADP of wide receiver 40. Wide receiver 14. You know I loved me some Ramondre. Kept talking about this is going to be Ramondre Stevens' season. And I so wanted to vote for him. 
But the answer's got to be Tony Pollard. Even in a year in which Zeke basically stayed healthy, he only missed two games. The fact of the matter is, is that Tony Pollard established himself not only as, a, as the number one running back in that Cowboys offense, but as, the, as a number one running back in fantasy. Yep. Jay, you going with Pollard as well? No, I'm going with Dimes. I think Dimes was just more surprising. It's just for you. Yeah. We all, <laughs> I think we all saw the path for Pollard if he got more usage. Daniel Jones was like extremely turnover-prone. They declined his fifth-year option. Now he looks like an above-average quarterback who's like the least turnover-prone quarterback in the league. The rushing volume is insane, so I'm going Dimes. My, my only pushback on that is I, don't, I would argue that people didn't see that. The, the counter-argument to Tony Pollard were two things. Number one, obviously, Ezekiel Elliott, but also, like, can this guy withstand? He's too much of a scat pack. He's too much. By the way, which is ridiculous because he's like he's six two. Like he's yeah. not. He. I mean, because he's so fast. Sprawls. No, because he's so fast. I think people and because he's built so differently than Ezekiel Elliott that people just assume he's a quote unquote prototypical pass catching running back. But no, he's not. He's a bigger guy who ran between the tackles in college. Absolutely. He can handle a full workload. But I think the general narrative on him that he couldn't handle a full workload, and this year he proved he could. Yep. All right, let's take a look at who the fans decided on for breakout player of the year. And the Peacocky goes to Tony Pollard in a closer one. 47% yeah. of the vote goes to Pollard. Ramondre Stevenson actually yeah, comes in second. I really 25%. wanted to vote for him too, but it, I just it, Tony Pollard can't be denied. He's earned a peacocky, you know, like <laughs> exactly, like the peacocky we'll absolutely one. goes to him. When you look at when you look at the photo of Tony Pollard, you're like, that's a peacocky winner. <laughs> that's the kind of guy. That's the kind of guy that deserves a peacocky. All right, we're going to break. When we are back, we are continuing the peacocky awards, the annual peacocky awards, oh, with the biggest bust <laughs> and this might be one and done. I'm gonna be honest. I don't know if it's annual yet. Annual. Might be one and done. Every single year, we've never missed one. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25. I'll tell you what you didn't win. 
the hearts of America, the hearts of Falcons fans, the hearts of Kyle Pitts' mom. I'll tell you, you didn't win any of that. All you won was two losses. That's right. And I don't even know if that makes sense. You won losses because that's all you've got to show for yourself, Arthur Smith. Free Kyle Pitts. And he go off in week three. We just going to say, woo! Cockies. And you know what that video means. Time for biggest bust, bust of, of the, the season. Right. Are you saying that video is the biggest bust? Because that would be a fair criticism. No, there was a glimmer oh, of hope after that video. A, well, here's the thing. Lawrence is funny. Like, Lawrence <laughs> can get away with that. I just I just look like an old man there. In fairness, I always look like an old man because you know what? I am, in fact, <laughs> an old man. Biggest bust nominees. We start with Jonathan Taylor, drafted, obviously, as RB1. He finished as RB17. Najee Harris, drafted it as RB6 with ADP, finished as uh, RB19, just snuck in the top 20 at the end of the season. Kyle Pitts, drafted with an ADP of tight end 3, finishes as tight end 22 in an awful year for the tight end position. Allen Robinson, drafted as a top 20 receiver, finished outside the top 50. And Russell Wilson, drafted as a top 10 quarterback and finished as QB18. Plenty of great selections here for you guys. Jay... Are you going with the obvious? Who is the worst? Well, people are going to say Jonathan Taylor, and I don't agree with that because I think that okay. was a health thing. Like, when he was healthy, he was fine. He played some games banged up. It has to be Kyle Pitts. People were making the case for Kyle Pitts as probably uh, the same group as Kelsey and Andrews. Sure. And to be tight end 22 when he was healthy, I mean, yeah, it's a disaster. So he's the winner for me. Yeah, I mean, look, you're just talking through some of these other guys, right? I mean, Jonathan Taylor, again, I, I'm with you. Like, if, had you had you grabbed Deion Jackson, like, you could have gotten production. Running back 17, obviously, is not ideal, but it's also usable. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, like, again, disappointing and not what you want out of the number one player overall, but it's usable. It doesn't absolutely kill you. Um, you know, Allen Robinson killed you. I mean, like, you used – he. you know, a lot of people came out of the draft with him as their number two wide receiver, his ADP of wide receiver 18. He was a top 20 guy. He finished his wide receiver 56, and candidly, I'm surprised it's that high. Uh, I mean, like, he was just absolutely brutal. Think about Russell Wilson. Again, quarterback's supposed to be this deep position, right? You know, top 10 quarterback drafted ADP of QB9, QB18, and like a bad 18, right? I mean, like, he was just – like, absolutely lost your weeks. Najee Harris, same thing. Drafted as a top 10, but he was usable down the stretch. He was okay. Kyle Pitts is the clear answer. Because, first off, there's a strategy thing when you go into a draft. Am I taking a tight end high or not? And if you take a tight end high, you are giving up You are giving up uh, a running back or a wide receiver. So you need elite production from that tight end to take him high. It's why the Kelsey argument in the first two rounds is always there. And so not only did he get, have a third-round ADP overall, and not only give you, he didn't give you elite production at the tight end, also, the opportunity cost of who you could have drafted for him, um, as you see it there, 42% of America votes for him for the Peacocky. This should have been 100%. He's the <laughs> this biggest is a close bust. One. Like, I mean, under 30 receiving yards in 7 of 10 games, under 5 fantasy points in 6 of 10 games. Like, he, it wasn't that he was semi-usable or a disappointment. He killed you. He killed you. All right, and with that, we are going to one more you. break. When we're back, we're coming back on a lighter note Awful. and looking at Light fantasy up. MVPs. He's the winner of a peacocky, and I'm not even giving him the P. You are currently seeing the fan vote for the fantasy MVP of the season, and who takes it home but Travis Kelsey beating out Austin Eckler, Justin Jefferson, Jalen Hurts, and Tyree Kill. Just an incredible year 
in what was a wasteland for the tight end position. Kelsey takes this one home, guys. Yeah. I vote. I voted for Eckler because he's my ride or die, and he was so good in the playoffs. But Travis Kelsey had, um, uh, you know, he was so much better than every. He's a hundred points better than tight end two. So not only was he an elite, but he was elite in a position where no one else was. So Kelsey, I understand why the fans voted for him. He's an easy pick. Yep, close, controversial vote. Shades of crash over Brokeback Mountain, but I'm going with Kelsey <laughs> as well. I just think relative to position, he was the guy. Yeah. And our last peacocky, the fantasy playoffs MVP. If this guy won your league, yo, I'm a big thank you. Uh, and I do want to start with the fans, guys, right here. The nominees, the nominees were Patrick Mahomes, in the fantasy playoffs, averaging 27.3 yeah. points per game. C.D. Lamb, 24.9 points. Christian McCaffrey, 23.6. George Kittle, after a solid year, explodes in the fantasy playoffs. And then Cam Akers, averaging over 20 points. McCaffrey gets the win here. I voted for Kittle just because, again, the tight end position. He had five touchdowns during the fantasy playoffs. But, um, you know, look, CMC averaged 24.3 fantasy points per game over the fantasy playoffs. Seven Kittle total touchdowns in his final six weeks of the season. He is very worthy of a peacocky. We're being played off the stage, guys. Love you all. <laughs> Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25.